0: This is the Southern Hills Church of God, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you and guides you and builds your faith. God bless and enjoy this message. There's a message that's probably being preached today in a hundred or more different churches, and, and it's on the healing of the blind man as Jesus was making his entry into Jerusalem. And I want you to know that this service is no different today. But I really want you to know and I really want you to believe that no matter how many times one has heard this story, that I believe there's always something that we can learn from it. There's always something that we can take from that. But I wanted to start today's message by reading from you Luke chapter 19. If if you have your word, go with me to Luke chapter 19, verse number 28. And this is what it says. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. You see, some of the people said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep silent, the stones will cry out. I don't want to make mention right there. Have you ever had a testimony? Have you ever had something you wanted to share and and it's burning inside of you and you wanted to get it out and it's your story, the story that God gave you, the very thing that He did for you and there's people that said, don't share that. They said, be quiet, people don't want to hear that. I would encourage you today, if God's given you a story, if He's given you a testimony to share, then don't let the crowd tell you what you can and can't do. If God's placed it inside of you, then share that story because somebody needs to hear it. Somebody needs to hear that story. He said, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And this is where the story really hits home for me. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept. He said, if you, even you, had known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. See, I don't want us to miss that. Because I don't want us to miss the time that God's come to us. Let me tell you something. There's a peace that God can give that no pill, that no show, that nothing in this world can give you. There's a peace that only God can give. And right where you are, if you're in a season of your life where there's no peace inside, I'm asking you right now to seek out God, to seek out the Lord, because He can bring you that peace. The crowds at this time, they, they continue to grow as he and his disciples made their way from Jericho to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. News of his miracles and healings continued to spread like wildfire in such a way that when Jesus reached Jerusalem, the crowds of people welcomed him with a parade-like celebration. They waved palm branches at him and shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. It's known as Palm Sunday. But it's a surprise to me to read that Jesus in this time of celebration was in tears. He wept. Talk about compassion. It said, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had known the peace that I could give you. But now it is hidden from your eyes. So here we have the crowd whipped into a chaotic moment where they were screaming and celebrating, waving palm branches. And you have Jesus riding in and he's crying, he's weeping. Why did he weep? Being God and and knowing everything, Jesus knew that the same people who were crying out, Hosanna! Would soon be shouting crucify him. He knew that one of his hand picked disciples Judas would betray him. He knew that Peter would even deny him. He knew that Cephas the high priest would conspire with Pilate to bring about his death. And he knew the future was about to come. He also wept because his ministry was about over. Everything that he was purposed for. Everything that he had lived for was coming to this last moment. Do you ever sit at home and reminisce on the past? Look at old pictures. Remember how things used to be. Can you imagine Jesus at this moment when he's near the end and he's looking at this gate And he breaks. Because don't forget, this man up until this point was human. Had the same emotions as us. A whole lifetime spent for this moment right here. Poured his entire life into this. He poured his entire life into training people to be like him. And time was beginning to come short. He had healed their sick. He had raised their dead. He had cleansed the lepers. He had even given food to the hungry. He had forgiven their sins. Yet for the most part, he had been rejected. You see, John chapter 1 tells me that he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. And so I believe for these reasons, he looked at this gate and he wept. His his heart was breaking. You see, unbelief breaks the heart of God. Because he knows the consequences. But let me tell you something. When When the door of the human heart is shut, he refuses to enter it by force. He will only knock Praying, wanting to, to come in. He has given us the ability to choose. But when we choose the wrong thing, he knows the repercussions that come. And, 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 and his heart is broken because of that. He's weeping over the tragedy of a lost opportunity. The Israelites that, that had come in Jerusalem for the Passover missed the opportunity to be saved. He's, he's weeping because he knew the pain that he was about to, to have. And let me tell you this. He could have very easily talked his way out. He could have very easily, because he, he had such influence. He was a man of great power. Even the religious leaders of that day would listen to him as a small child. Jesus, having all the power in the world, had the ability to talk himself out. But he didn't because he knew what his purpose was. He, really, he, he knew that he didn't come to save himself, but he came to save you. He was weeping because he's not willing that any should perish. Second Peter chapter 3 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is longsuffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What I want you to hear this morning, because there comes a time in our life when we have to stand our ground and fulfill Matthew 28 to care about the ones that he cares for, to tend to the ones that he tended for, to pray for the ones that needed. He wants to have so much compassion for everybody, no matter their background, their race, how much money they make, what they look like. He wants us to care for people the way that he cared for them. He wants every person, every person that day that waved the palm branches in him, he looked at them and he saw them and could see right through them. And as he was going, he knew their story. And so he's weeping because he knows what's about to happen. He knows what's about to come. And he's begging you today, just know me. Know who I am. Know who I am. He knew that some of them would even reject him. And I believe for all these reasons, he weeps. But see, one of those men that he passed by was a blind man. Matthew records his account of his entry into Jerusalem, chapter 21. On chapter 20, he finds this blind man whom Jesus had healed. It's interesting to note that um, Jericho, the city where Jesus healed him, just down the road, about a 15-mile walk, was known in those days as the City of Palms. There was so much that took place in that moment when Jesus stopped and engaged his blind man. And the first time we come to the story is found in Matthew chapter 20, verse number 29. Where it says, and as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there were... Two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they had heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out. Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more. Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus in pity touched their eyes. And immediately they recovered their sight. After reading Matthew's account of this miracle that Jesus performed that day, some may note that the text just stated there were two blind men, but none of them were mentioned by name. While readers of the Bible first see this miraculous healing when reading Matthew's gospel, both Mark chapter 10 and Luke chapter 18 retell the same story from a different viewpoint. Matthew tells us there were two blind men, but does not name them? Mark shares with us the name of this man, Bartimaeus. He was healed on that day when Jesus was headed into Jericho but makes no mention of another blind man. And then Luke also says that Jesus was headed into um, Jericho where he encountered a blind beggar but didn't mention any other blind man. And and, and I, I know that the scholars believe today that it's the same encounter even though there are slightly different details mentioned within the three gospel accounts. And as a matter of fact, let me just make mention it's very possible Because of what this place was known for. Because there there was a special oil that came from the palm tree that helped the blind man. That that helped with that pain. That it's very possible that there were many, many, many blind as he was walking this road. I mean, think about it. The Messiah is coming. If, If anything, they knew that this was the only man that could heal them. So if you knew that the Messiah was coming, wouldn't you try to get there too? The only one that could heal me. While both Mark and Luke state that Jesus was headed to Jericho, Matthew chapter 20 says as they went out of it. So was he going in or was he going out? And they were actually doing both. There's a Roman Jericho that was built a mile away from the original site. And is closer to the Roman road that leads up to Jerusalem. There is an old Israelite Jericho, the site that Joshua marched around. So when it says that he came into and came out of, both of them are actually right. Thousands of people would have traveled along the road as they all headed towards Jerusalem to wave the palms. The fact that Jesus was on his way made for a lively buzz of chatter that people were aware of due to his miracles and teachings that had continued to gain traction. And per the text, it says, And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. Matthew says that the blind men cried out. Now, we can cry, we can whine, we can make noises like that, but the Greek word here is called kratzo. And kratzo is used for any sort of screaming or anguished shout. The word kratzo is also used for the rantings of insane people and the cries of a woman giving child an uh, in, in, in actual childbirth. So you can imagine what the sound would be like when the crowds would soon shout for Jesus to be crucified. The word that Mark chose to describe that scene was krodzo. Just before Jesus yielded his spirit on the cross, it tells us that Jesus first cried out the same word krodzo. And if the blind men were ever going to get the attention of Jesus... In a crowd of thousands of people, they had to cry out and scream like they had never done before. Because let me tell you something. Sometimes that's what it takes to reach the master. Sometimes that's what it takes to to get what it is. God wants you. We have to be open and willing to say, Jesus! And have that type of anguish shout like, I'm not leaving this moment until I find you. And that's what this man did. They cried out for Jesus to have mercy. And the next part of this passage says, the crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. Have you ever felt like you've been passed over? Like nobody cares? Almost as if you were ready for something to happen and someone or something tells you to be quiet. You see, the thing about the story that's so captivating to me Is the fact that it represents a person who'd been kind of pushed aside by the rest of everybody else who had passed them by. Many, many, many different times. And perhaps you today watching this service... Find yourself just like this man. You feel like opportunities have passed you by. You felt like relationships have moved on without you and you're left just alone. You find that perhaps you just feel like you are damaged goods, not good enough. And so I sit here as people go by, continue to do great things, and no one has ever stopped to check on me. And that's sometimes the way that we feel, but I want to give you some encouragement today. If you're watching online and that's how you feel. You see, the blind man might have felt that too. He might have felt like he's always been in the wrong place at the wrong time. But what he didn't know in that moment was he was in the perfect place for God to do something amazing in and through him. You're going to find that you're actually where you just need to be. And the blind man was there. You see, Jesus was leaving Jericho to head to uh, Jerusalem. The reason why he was headed was for the Passover. It would, it would be the last Passover meal. And, and then after that, he was arrested. He was accused, beaten, and ultimately, ultimately crucified. And that's where he was headed. So you could say that at this moment, he was at the pinnacle. The max of where he was, this was his mission, where he was going. But God for a moment, in this moment, redirects his steps to this man that just cried out for him. But watch what happens. When these men were told to be quiet. Because I can imagine the commotion going on. Crowds of people screaming, waving, Hosanna. And this blind man who can't see what's going on. Can't even see if there's somebody in front of him, has to in that moment scream with such passion that he exceeds the level of everybody else around him. And when they were told to be quiet, watch what happens. But they cried out all the more Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. Why? Because they were desperate. They needed something, they needed a touch from God. You see, often when cries of desperation go out, it makes the crowd nearby uncomfortable. They didn't care. They knew the Messiah was there. And they knew his heart. And it's because of people like him that I believe Jesus made that journey and wept. But I want you to understand today, Jesus was in transit. He wasn't going to stop, had no plans to stop. He was moving to Jerusalem, and Bartimaeus seized an opportunity. I'm here to tell you today, there are opportunities that will pass you by because you're afraid to scream out to the Master. And I'm telling you, if they had not said anything, their moment would have passed them by and he might not ever been healed. I'm here to tell you today, there's something you've been praying for. There's something you're going through. You've been seeking out to God and you don't understand why that answer hasn't come yet. I believe in this moment, the Lord on high the one that sits on the throne is looking at you right now and saying I'm waiting for you to seize the opportunity that's been laid right there I'm waiting on you to seize this opportunity to cry out to me you might think that I've listened to everybody around you but my my ear is turned into you right now and I'm waiting on you to be desperate for me I'm waiting on you to be hungry for me so when that comes and you cry out to me like you've never cried out before I will hear your prayer and I will answer it I'm telling you sometimes it takes a crudzo type scream to say I don't care what people think about me I don't care if they hear me and think that I'm crazy my Messiah is walking by and I've got to get his attention come on he said son of David have mercy on me you see don't worry about what you don't have look at what you do have In that moment, he might not have had sight, but he had ears to hear the Messiah was coming. He might not have had his sight, but he had voice to proclaim the good news that Jesus was there. Use what God has put in your hands. Today's a great day to seize what God has put in front of you. Stop with all the don'ts and I don't haves and all your excuses. It's time to stop the excuse making and start making memories. Start making opportunities. Start trudging towards what God has called you to do. And then when the men did that, I need you to watch what happens next. It says, and then he stopped. He stopped. Why did he stop? That wasn't his mission for that day. He was on his way to fulfill his purpose. But he stopped. Jesus called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? And when that moment happens, don't blink an eye. You tell it to God, whatever it is you want him to do for you. They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes. And immediately... I love that word because it means that it didn't happen a few moments later. It didn't take a couple months to happen. It said right at that moment when he heard the desperate cry, the desperate plea of the blind man, he said immediately, immediately they recovered their sight. They got what they wanted. They had the attention of Jesus. Jesus stopped. Two of the most powerful words in the entire story is Jesus stopped. Stopped. And asked the man, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him this question. And the blind man said, Lord or Rabbi, I want to see. Well, here's the thing. When we look at that, it seems like a really obvious question. Like there's this blind guy who's there and, and he probably wants to see. And Jesus asked the question, what do you want me to do? And it, it's, just, it, it's just a normal you know, response to say, God, let me see. But I thought about that and I put myself in that situation. And if God incarnate, which means in his flesh, is right there in front of you and asked you the question, what do you want me to do for you? What would you say? What would you say? What do you need God to do for you? Write it inside the comments today. What do you need God to do? We're going to pray over those after this is over. What do you want God to do? And I thought about that question. And if that question was asked to me, I'd probably say something like, I'd love for my kids to grow up and serve God. I'd love for them to be healthy and to be happy. I'd love for them to find great spouses one day and have a great life and and some of you may say that you pray for God to heal your marriage, to, 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 to give you a spouse. God, you might be praying that, that, God, I just need healing. Or you might even feel today that I don't know if there's purpose for my life. I don't know what, what it is God wants me to do. And that might be your prayer today. And, and, and I'm telling you right now that when that question is asked... What do you want me to do for you? But then it dawned on me. The thing that I would actually ask for is the very thing that Jesus was headed to do. And that was become the perfect sacrifice for my sin that had separated me and separated me from God. So that I could be made right, be made whole, be in relationship with Him. Because you see what happens to us when we make ourselves right with God? You see what happens to us when that becomes our prayer? What happens to us when we make the choice to say, I will no longer live in sin, but I will live for you. When we make that decision and that be our prayer, then everything else just falls into place. Well, now I can parent better because my relationship is good with Him. Now I can be a better spouse because my relationship with God is strong. Now my marriage can be healed. Now I can find that job. Now I can find that right person to be with. Now all the other things seem to fall in place. Why? Because the priority was that my relationship with God become right. And see, I believe that's what happened. Why do I know that? Why do I think that? Because Bartimaeus said, Rabbi, I want to see. You see, the word in Greek is actually rabboni, which means my master, my savior. You see, before he'd be saying, remember, he said, Jesus, son of David. And Jesus, son of David, was just the national name in that time given to him. But this was different. This word is very, very, very different. And only spoken one other time in the gospel accounts by anybody. And it was Mary Magdalene at the empty tomb. And she said, "Rabbi, my master. When Bartimaeus said this, it became personal. It's my master. It's my Lord. I want to see because perhaps Bartimaeus that day even in, even in his blind state could see better than many of us right now he saw the thing that was most important to him he said rabbi my master my savior i want to see you see when you understand who you are in christ and what you can be you operate differently you find a sense of value that comes from somewhere else. "My master." Jesus then looks at him and says, "Go, your faith has healed you." And immediately he received his sight. Could you imagine of being there that day? Just think about it. Stop and close your eyes and picture just a moment you being in that scene. And there's thousands of people around you, many of whom might even be blind. It's a celebration. They're waving branches. Hosanna, Hosanna. And this man with everything inside of him cries out to the deepest part of his soul. It says, Rabbani, my master, my savior. I'm making it personal. This is my story. It's nobody else's. It's mine. And I want to make sure that he hears me. So Rabbani, give me my sight. There was a scholar, N.T. Wright, that said, the voice that had called them, the voice they guessed must be Jesus, was asking them a question nobody had ever asked them for years and years. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus was moved. He knew what it had cost them. He knew what it would cost them. He knew how personal it was. And he knew that they had to dig down beneath the hard crust of a lifetime of of trying to beg for money. And to ask for the one thing that really mattered. And they did. And they followed Jesus. You see, he could have played it safe that day. He could have asked for mercy through money. Instead, he took a risk and asked for mercy through his healing. Jesus' response to his risk changed his life forever. No longer could he safely sit on the sidelines of life and beg. He was healed. And what I want to say to you today. This is what I want you to, to, to know. What Jesus did for that blind man is a portrayal of what he desires to do for blind souls. What is so beautiful is that Jesus was on the road that passed through the Jerichos that led to Jerusalem and ultimately to Calvary's cross. It was here where he would suffer and die for the sins of humanity once and for all. Imagine the taxing toll that was on his mind that what what was going through his head in this moment. I want you to, and we're not told exactly what Jesus was going through in that moment. But it's not out of the question to think that maybe Jesus had been looking at the barren hills that surrounded Jericho. As Jesus looked on those hills, perhaps he thought back to Rahab, you know, who hid the spies that ultimately enabled Joshua to enter the promised land. Perhaps Jesus even gazed on those hills and thought back years earlier to the days he spent in the wilderness after baptism by John. There were the, those were the backside of the hills where he was tempted by Satan. Where had Jesus succumbed to the temptation in those hills just three years before, he would have been disqualified to complete the mission as the perfect sacrifice. But he never gave in to those temptations. He won What must have been running through his mind as as he pondered that time that prepared him for the moment that he was in right now. And even through all of those thoughts, even through all those emotions that Jesus might have been going through in that moment, through all those memories that crept into the back of his mind, he had the ability to hear the cries of a blind man. His weeping. Stopped Jesus enough to say, what can I do for you? You know, I think about that. And I want to speak to somebody today who might be handling something tragic in their life right now. Who might be going through a hard time. Life might have hit you sideways. You might have been laid off. You might feel like you're all alone and can't find a spouse. You might feel like opportunity after opportunity has passed you by. And I'm telling you, through everything that Jesus was going through, He heard the cry of somebody and healed them. And I know that He can do the same for you. So right now, right now, everybody listening today whether you're listening now or you're going to watch it tonight or through this week I believe Jesus is asking you a very special question what do you want me to do for you? He's not blinking an eye right now his attention is focused on you what is it that you need from God? You see, the greatest part of this story to me is that the blind man was so overcome with joy and emotion that he stopped everything he was doing and went with Jesus. Salvation came to him that day. So I want to ask you this question as we close. the first question is this how would I respond to Jesus's question what do you want me to do for you write that down claim it let us pray with you about it when this service is over we got Jews going to come up after this last chorus and she's going to pray over these needs what do you want me to do for you and then question number two What would my relationships look like if I lived with that same concern for others that Jesus has for me? God is asking you that question today. And my response, and I pray your response is the same, that God restore me, that He restore me so I could be a better dad. That He restore me so I could be a better husband. That he restore me so I can do better at my job. That he restore me so that everything else that I prayed for will fall into place. But in order for those prayers to be answered, the first thing that must happen is you must be restored. So what do you want me to do for you? But right before we close as well, I want to take that question. And I want to reverse the question and I want to add a third question to to, to this. Not just what can I do for you or not what my relationships would look like if I had that same concern for everybody else. But now let's reverse the question and say, God, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? And I believe his response today would be simple. Love people love people if you close your eyes you bow your heads right where you are I want to pray over you and then Pastor Seth's going to lead us in a song and then Jew's going to come up and she's going to pray over these requests is that you today is there something you need from God Is it salvation? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior? If not, I pray that you'd ask him into your heart today. And if you did, let us know. Share it with us. Because I want to celebrate with you. But I want to pray with you today. Because I believe the same God that healed the blind man is the same God that can touch you. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for this great word. I thank you for this time on this Palm Sunday. And for everybody that's watching online today, God, with that question, what can I do for you? I pray that as they let it be known, as they share it, as they pray it to you right now, God, that you begin to work in their life. God, if there's somebody today listening to this live stream that doesn't know you as their Lord and personal Savior, God, I pray that they accept you into their heart right now. Lord, be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Purify me. Make me clean. We love you, God. And we praise you and we thank you. Would you sing this last chorus with us? And then pray with you when she comes to close out this Palm Sunday with our last prayer. I love you. God bless.